Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's our goal here to communicate late breaking news and thoughtful insights about all the topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to all the stakeholders here in the ResNet ecosystem. To the ResNet community, we hear you and wish to engage. So how does a person deeply engaged in the world of home performance handle matters when it comes to building their own home? Once your own, you must strive to see the forest through the trees. And what's it like actually living inside your theories? Well, in this podcast, we spin the microphones around the table and welcome guest host Laurel Elam, who was with ResNet, who interviews me, normally the host of Res Talk, and the journey that my wife and I, Marilyn, have taken setting out to build a high performance, pretty much likely net zero home. Now, you want to listen and to hear what influences I used in making designs and construction decisions and the goals that Marilyn and I had set at the beginning and how close we came to achieving them. And I'll openly discuss my thoughts on the challenges encountered and how well the plans worked out. And if you want to learn more about the project, you can follow it on my blog at www.sponehome.com. That's sponehome.com. Okay, listen in and let us know what you think. Welcome to the Res Talk podcast. I am delighted today to be your guest host. My name is Laurel Elam. I am ResNet's Director of Quality Assurance, Administration, and Standards. What a title. It fills up my business card. I have had the pleasure of working for ResNet for the past 11 years, believe it or not. And I am the guest host, and the tables are turning today, and I am interviewing our interviewer. So Bill Spohn, who is our typical podcast host, is our guest today on the Res Talk podcast. And we are going to be discussing the home that he has had the pleasure of building over the past year with his wife, Marilyn. So Bill, thank you so much for taking the time today to chat with us about your home. I think it's everyone's dream to build their own home. Yes. But you know what? When you're a building science nerd like we are, oh my goodness, you can just put all of the things that you've learned over the years into this house. So I know it was quite a journey for you and your wife. So thank you for taking the time to discuss that with us today. You're very welcome, Laurel. And thank you. I'm really happy to be doing this, to talk and to answer the questions that come to your mind about this project. And yeah, it was a really interesting journey. Sometimes I feel like I knew too much. I maybe didn't know enough in certain areas too. Absolutely. So is this the first new home that you and Marilyn, your wife, have built together? Yes, it is. Yeah, we've always lived in repurposed or reused homes. We've bought from other people over the years, been in the housing market since the early 80s, owning homes. So it's been quite a journey to get to this point where economics and fate and blessings have led us to the point where we can do this. Great. And why did you decide that now is the time to take on this journey? For us, it was like finding our forever home. At first, actually, the location, like we have six children together. They're all adults. And we're just trying to figure out like where in the country we would be. That sort of was a process we started like back in 2017 and ended up staying in the same general area within 10 miles of where we were living at the time. Decided we would make this our homestead and then started looking to build this forever home, a place to age in place. Yeah. 
that makes sense. And wow, six kids, that makes for uh, interesting holiday gatherings. I can imagine lots of dishes, right? <laughs> and it affects your choices in the kind of house you build too. Absolutely. You need space. Right. <laughs> for sure. I think it's a great choice. It's a very interesting choice. But why did you choose modular construction over all the other options? Modular came up because we were originally interested in building a passive house. That was our thoughts and some inspirations that we had gotten over time and things that made sense to us. And we immediately started looking for, well, who could build a passive house in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area? And we only found a sort of a small handful, although it's an active market for the concept. I think for actual single family passive houses, it's there's not a heck of a lot of activity, at least back in 2017. We found a builder that had indicated they had been passive house design qualified. So who is that builder? Sure. It's called Eco Craft Homes. And they do modular is their primary mode of construction. And it largely comes from the founders are father and son, Elliot Fabry, senior and junior. Seniors worked in the factory built home market for about 30 years. He knows a lot of people all through the East Coast from Maine to Florida in this kind of modular housing. So it gave us a tremendous amount of confidence that the factory he picked and the mode he would execute, he was building off lots of experience. That's awesome. So it sounds like you did enjoy working with your builder. What about the factory that they chose? Yeah, so it's actually a factory close to Pittsburgh, and they generally limit their area to maybe about 100 miles, maybe a little bit more than that, where they'll actually build homes to take into account that you do have to deliver these modules to the site. So the factory they chose is Structural Modular Incorporated. They're in Strattonville, Pennsylvania. They've been in business for about 30 years, and EcoCraft has worked with them for the last 15 years. So there was a lot of great relationship built up there. And we got a chance to tour the factory before we committed to working with the builder and before the home was built, of course, and just to absorb this whole process of under-roof construction versus field construction. That's fascinating. I would love to visit a factory like that too. I mean, you take out so many different factors when you choose that type of construction, like weather, for example. Your building materials are not going to get wet in that space. So what other influences did you have in making the choices? I mean, not only for the, the modular, but then the overall design and that sort of thing. I give a lot of credit to the field I've been involved in, HVAC and building performance, to attending the ResNet conference for so many years. I feel like I've been going since inception of the conference, <laughs> at least the majority of those years. I know. My first one was in 2005, Bill, before I even started working for ResNet. And I feel like you were there presenting. You probably presented back in those days. I probably was. It's hanging around with all these technical nerds in the housing industry, ResNet, also the Building Performance Association, the Affordable Comfort Conference, people from there, and then managing the existing homes we lived in and doing some energy retrofits in them. There's one influencer, Chris Dorsey, who does this thing called the Habitat X Conference. And he actually sent us a book called A Pattern Language, which was published around 1980. And it's a really interesting book for people involved in constructing spaces for people. It's beyond buildings. It's even like communities. And they have around 400 different one-and-a-half-page articles on arrangement of things, 
like the number of floors in a building, the amount of open space, the amount of light, the depth of a building. And it was really, really intriguing. We didn't, I still have the book and we haven't read through the whole thing, but we picked out, Marilyn and I both picked out chapters. We read through it and thought about how our home would come together using, I'd say it's a combination of psychological, architectural, and emotional experiences are compiled in this book. Really fascinating. That is fascinating. I wrote it down. I might have to check that one out. That's great. But Chris Dorsey didn't write the book, right? He just sent it to you? No, no. He was aware of it. And we have one architect in the family, a nephew. And when we mentioned the book to him, he goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's like it's something that people normally hear about in school for architecture, but it's a digestible and readable by the public, too. Oh, very, very cool. How long did it take to build the house, come up with the design, the overall process? So we started in 2018 with the actual design, with first the passive house design, and then decided that was too extreme for our budget. We couldn't go to full passive. So we then worked directly with the builder who picked up that design and moved it forward. We were into signing the contract with the factory with all the details by August of 2019. And then the home was actually built in a month in the factory in October of 2019. But of course, there were a lot of decisions between middle of 2018 and middle of 2019 where we had to go through and look at different things. I think what's really interesting is almost nothing is left to chance because of the modular construction. You have to know all the details. And they make you sign something called a hard card, which specifies is it's a laundry list of all the different features. And when you sign it, that's what the factory will build, will commit to building and put it in their schedule and put it in line to be built because they have to acquire all the material and they want to keep the factory moving. It's really, it's a factory line. The modules get pushed through this factory on rails. Very, very interesting. Yeah, it's not like regular construction where it could be already being framed, for example, and then the homeowners go in and be like, ah, well, no, I think that this wall should be a little shorter or this should be a little different. Do the hard card also include like all of your finishes and cabinetry and all of that? Every single thing. Right. And we were encouraged to define as much as possible. Economically, it makes sense and time-wise to get it installed in the factory. So things like commodes were installed. Some tiling was installed. Carpeting was installed. Some of the hardwood floor, the majority of the doors were installed. And everything that isn't installed gets delivered to the factory and then strapped down to the floor and riveted or screwed down into the floor with strapping. And then it's transported from the factory to the house or to the build site. So when the first thing came together, we were tripping over, not just, there was stuff all over the place that they were still sort of like unboxing the house. That sounds like it could have been somewhat challenging to have to think that far in the future about exactly what you wanted, but were there other challenges along the way with this type of construction or just the process in general? Yeah, I'd say there were, it was, you had to have a really good idea to visualize things. We did visit the builders, the son of the father-son team had recently built his modular house in the city of Pittsburgh in a small lot, like a 22 foot wide lot. And they brought in four modules that were stacked in this one location. So we actually were there the day we saw his house being built in the factory. We saw his house being set in the field and we got to tour and actually have meetings. Some of our meetings with the architect, with the builder were held in 
his house. So we got to see all the features and that was really great. It was like, it's a model room and a model showroom in a sense. Mm-hmm. In fact, I can remember the tiling in his bathroom off the office area. It's like, we're there. Of course, I had to use it sometimes. And I'm like, hey, Elliot, I want your bathroom. <laughs> and, and that's what he did. That's what he delivered to us. So it was the model that we saw that we got. Perfect. That's wonderful. I do have to bring this up, but I was a little surprised that you didn't get it hers rated. You're a longtime resident veteran at all of the conferences and things. So why didn't you get it rated? And do you regret that choice? So I did actually, I conferred with several people and sort of like, uh, you probably have enough background and information that while you're not certified, you have the level of understanding of this third party. But what I didn't understand was that when sort of a third party gets involved sort of contractually and there's a commitment made by the builder and they're actually working with the raider, that there's a certain value to that. We did have some problems after we moved in, some things that have been fixed. We only moved in in November of 2020. There's some things like the, actually there was a, a small error made in the installation of the heat pump that caused it to fail in heating mode, but not in cooling mode. So it was installed in cooling mode, but wasn't fully vetted or tested. And I think, especially like with resident standard 310, that would have been approached in the rating of the house. There was some small leakage in the windows of the house. Now, I did privately have a blower door tested by a friend of mine, but we didn't really like walk through and do it as a contractual thorough audit using all the programs and doing the modeling. And we did do modeling, but again, we didn't plug it into the ResNet process. So I think the I do regret the thoroughness was missed at the right time and it had to happen after the fact. Yeah, that's unfortunate about the heat pump for sure, but that's something that can be fixed. It just was put in in the wrong mode. So I do know that they have, there's a lot of information out there about your house and that you've shared it on blogs and Facebook page. So just, if you'll let me know a couple, so if people want to learn more than even just listening to this podcast where they can go to learn more. I created a website called sponehome.com. S-P-O-H-N-H-O-M-E. And part of the reason for choosing that sort of sound alike was so people could pronounce my last name because sometimes they say spoon or spawn or something like that. So now it's like, no excuse. It's a long O. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And actually, I do have a private Facebook group with about 500 people in it now where through the process, and not everybody hangs out on Facebook. So that's the thing why I created the blog, but I spend more of the time on Facebook because it just seems to be easier. And there's a lot of dialogue with practitioners in HVAC and building performance and other friends who are taking a look at what we're doing. And my goal is to get people thinking, not necessarily following my path, but just get them thinking. That's awesome. So your home, congratulations, was featured as the first stop on the Housing Innovation Alliance 2021 road tour. So how did you pull that one off? That's awesome. So it actually, I want to credit it to starting with a ResTalk podcast. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yay. I did a, this is before the COVID restrictions. I actually went to a company called Ibicus, which is in Pittsburgh and interviewed on behalf of ResTalk, Anthony Grizzolia, at his offices. So we did a face-to-face recording. I do a few of those a year for ResTalk. Anthony's like, yeah, yeah, I heard you got this project going on. We're talking about it. And he like points upstairs. He goes, you ever hear of the Housing Innovation Alliance? And I'm like, no, what is that? And so he described it to me. And 
Then our builder actually got a phone call from them. And they reached out to our builder on January and said, hey, we're doing this road tour. You got any interesting projects? And he's like, yeah, this one's interesting. Call this guy. So came together over this conversation. And at the point of this recording today, it's they haven't yet produced the video, but it's in production now. But maybe perhaps by the time this comes out, we're recording here late in March, that'll be available. And I think they put it out there on their YouTube, the Housing Innovation Alliance. Fantastic. We'll certainly link to it on the Resonant website because that's a great honor. And I'm glad that that happened for you. And it seems like you're very comfortable with sharing all of this information about your house and your journey. But what about Marilyn? Is she okay with all of this publicity that's being drummed up about your home? She's okay with it. She's more reserved person than I am. I have like two different modes. I can be very reserved and quiet, but I can also put on my stage presence, my stage voice, uh, like I do for the podcast a lot. But I just think, and this goes back to why I'm talking about it so much. I believe that people need to be more responsibly using energy. And a lot of people are. And I'm just going to say responsible for various reasons. You can choose your reasons, but I think it's on a lot of people's minds lately. And housing is such a large part of that. And I think there's some misinformation out there that can be discouraging to people. And what I want to serve to do is provide hopefully a trustable voice that shares real world experiences, trying to take a journey that's not so easy, but be a little bit inspirational and motivational that people will try something out or start asking questions. That's the biggest thing. Ask questions, learn something, ask questions. Absolutely. Well, you definitely seem like you're a planner. So did everything work out according to your plan or was there something that you would go back and change or do you regret one of the choices, perhaps a tile in a bathroom or anything like that? No. And Marilyn, I've talked about this a little bit. We feel like everything came out. There were some compromises, some of the size and shape compromises that we had, but it was good counseling and coaching from the builder, but they were also like their subcontractors in the factory, their experience from them helped them coach us in the right direction. It was kind of interesting. We had it's time to choose this feature, garage doors, for example. Here's some we recommend. And it's like, okay, well, we're going to look on our own. And then we end up going back to the ones they recommend. Or <laughs> we trusted their eye for detail, but fully vetted these things ourselves. In terms of planning, there were some speed bumps in the plan. Like we thought like originally we might be in building and in by the summer of 2019. And when we got to the summer of 2019, we hadn't actually signed that hard card yet. There were still a lot of decisions that needed to be made and that the timeline wasn't working out. And then we thought maybe we could be in by Marilyn's birthday in October, but that didn't work out. And that was 2019. And it took us a full another year of holidays and birthdays <laughs> into 2020 to get in. And some of the things were, I'd say there's like a little miscommunication in terms of the availability of a public sewer system. We were misinformed and then had to change our site plan and invest in an on-site septic system because public sewer wasn't available. We knew that we would have to get water on site and then we had trouble. We drilled three wells until one that was successful that produced enough water for the house. And that provided a backup in plumbing inspection, which provided a backlog in the occupancy permit. So that delayed things. Unexpected bumps along the way for sure. And you got to have water. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and you got to have a septic system. <laughs> I mean, you could do some rainwater collection on the property. But interesting, I heard that you named the property. So what is the name and why did you choose that name? 
We named it Sunnyfield, and actually Marilyn named it. Love it. It's, we have solar on site. It is very sunny. We have a lot of south-facing windows, which actually this morning we had a contractor come in and measure for some motorized shades because we're going to need them when we get to the summer here because it is very bright when the sun's shining coming from the south. But it came from, we were taking care of the property. We purchased it in 2018 in March, and we had to take care of it by basically mowing this big sunny field. So we bought a tractor from the previous owner of the property with a 60-inch mowing deck, and we would be out here pretty regularly mowing the sunny field, and that's how the name was coined. Beautiful. I love it. That is so cool. And a big tractor, too. Yeah, I've got a big tractor. In the so are there any finishing touches that you guys are still doing? Obviously, you mentioned the shades for the windows when it starts to stay extra sunny this summer, but anything else that you guys are still working on? Yeah, because of the... Everything really was finishing up in the late fall of last year. The landscaping couldn't be done because there was still outside work being done. So the landscaping, we're going to be seeing actually tomorrow, March 26th, we'll be seeing the first design by a local landscape contractor. It'll be like a 3D walkthrough kind of thing with the complete plan. And then we're going to have to decide on what phases we go into the plan. But we're contemplating putting in a meadow, which would be with natural plants so that it wouldn't have to be mowed. We wouldn't have to use any kind of carbon to mow it. Wouldn't have to maintain it as we age in place, but also have something beautiful and natural. So we're going to see if that's going to be possible. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. I'd like to hear any of your closing thoughts. It's just been a pleasure to chat with you today about your home, the type of construction. I love the fact that it was a family-owned builder company and you got to basically be in their house and their showroom and learn all of this sort of stuff. So it's definitely been my pleasure to turn the tables on the interviewer today. Any closing thoughts that you might have, Bill? I think that it wasn't easy. And even for someone, I'm not going to say with my experience in building, but my exposure to different methods of building. But I, again, I just offer myself, my blog, whatever, for people to ask questions. And I've started to get questions now from people around the country saying, how did you do it? Why did you do it? Why did you make this choice? And I don't mind answering those questions. And what I, what I do try to do, though, is if I answer the question once, I'm going to try to put it up on the blog as like a Q&A so that it's their evergreen content. Because if one person has a question, my thinking is always someone else has the same question. So I want to put it out there. My experience. Absolutely. That's a smart thing to do. Well, thank you again, Bill. It's been my pleasure. You're welcome, Laurel. You're a great interviewer. You're looking for a job? <laughs> <laughs> Another job. I don't know. Maybe I'll have a second career. Maybe I'll start my own podcast. You have a very <laughs> pleasant voice and a very insightful comments. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. All right. Take care, everyone. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Res Talk, where I get to tell about living inside my theories. Our quote for today by Holly Berry, the first step is clearly defining what it is you're after, because without knowing that, you'll never get it. If you like what you heard today and not yet subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so by typing ResTalk into the search bar of the Apple Podcast app, Google Play Music, or Stitcher, and that way you'll get the episodes as soon as they launch by subscribing. If you're a consumer and want to learn more about the benefits of a home energy rating, cruise on over to ResNet.us and learn more. Of course, if you're a professional, resnet.us slash professional to learn more or join the email list. You can also find ResNet on Facebook or Twitter. And if you want to feedback to ResNet on what you heard here today or anything in general, you can just 
drop an email to info at resnet.us, R-E-S-N-E-T U-S. As always, thank you for listening to Res Talk and have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes or the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk. Talk.